0: Watch out, doc, doctor, doctor. Give me the news I gotta you. Do you have questions or need advice for all the aches and pains in your life? We're here to help. This is Doc Talk with Hans Olsen, presented by University of Utah Health on 975-1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network. Doctor,
1: doctor
2: gimme the news I gotta.
3: to let the uh, music play out just a little bit because it's back doc talk it's back after years of begging well i guess it not quite it's not quite a year but it feels like it's been forever since we've been on air with doc talk and i'm so glad to kick things back off with dr dan cushman dr cushman how you doing man Hans, hey, it's Reagan Holbrook. Um, Dr. Cushman should be on in just a moment. Okay, I know he's trying to get the mute button to to lift here. And this is, you know, when, when you're dealing with live radio and you're dealing with Zoom calls and you've got working parts, you just got to be patient. Reagan, how you been? Been excellent. It's it's been far too long. We've had quite the hiatus for our program, and
1: we are super stoked back on the air.
3: Well, I'm excited to do it, man. Uh, hopefully, Dr. Cushman can join us here pretty soon. Dr. Cushman, are you there yet? Dr. Cushman, you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm glad to hear it. How you been, Doctor Cushman? Can't complain. How about yourself? Ah, oh, fantastic, man. Excited to get Doc Talk going again. And uh it feels like it's been forever. And obviously a lot of things going on during our hiatus. It has been a very busy year or so since we've taken a break from Doc Talk and it's just nice to jump back on with physicians and obviously we're all curious about how you're all doing. How's uh How is is your world that you've been working in?
1: You know, it's actually, as crazy as it sounds, it's been really busy. Um, I don't know if it's just people are getting back to exercising again and doing sports and all that or or what it is, but it's been really busy for us with the uh, medical issues.
3: Well, there's a part of me that thinks, I'm glad to hear it, keep you guys busy, and then there's another part of me that means, well, that means it's probably a bad day for somebody else out there, but... That's why we bring Doc Talk to our listeners. We want to give them an opportunity to call in 855 340 Zone. That's 855 340 9663. If you just throw that into your phone and you call, whatever ailment you're dealing with, whatever issue you've got, that's why we put Doc Talk together. Obviously, Dr. Dan Cushman, he is board-certified sports medicine and physical medicine and rehabilitation and specializes in the care of musculoskeletal injuries. And so he's obviously got a specified field, but it works with cyclists and swimmers and triathletes and runners. But there are so many different injuries out there that are happening across the board. And, you know, Dr. Cushman, I wanted to know just from – from the COVID point of view, how much is COVID changing the way you are dealing with patients?
1: You know, I think that there's like a, a few ways, in, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis, just being in a clinic, you know, there's every, obviously people are wearing masks and everything and all those those little changes. But I think also just sports are changing so much. I mean, if you look at, you know, all, all that's going on with the NFL and, and the NBA and, and major league baseball and all those that that's just happening also in little league and everywhere else. And so, um, it's really changed the dynamic in a lot of ways. And that, you know, and we were talking about those injuries that are, are coming in more, it's hard to say if that's directly related or not, but it's just changed our world in so many ways.
3: So do you spend a lot of time on the device that you're currently on? Just these, these zoom calls is, do you deal with patients in a lot of ways that time?
1: Yeah, you know, for me, not much. I, I did originally when, when people didn't really know what was going to happen with COVID last year. But now it's, it's just so hard in our world not to, to move people around and, and see you know, if their shoulder hurts. It's really hard to figure out what's going on without actually moving them. Um, so for the most part, not very often, but whenever possible, we do.
3: So doc talk is an opportunity to jump on with Dr. Cushman. Hang out, ask some questions, you know, whatever is bothering you. And I know that there are a lot of issues out there. And obviously, it's tough when you're so busy. Sometimes you don't have time to go in and get treated. Sometimes you don't feel like you've got the proper insurance to go in and get treated. This is an opportunity to get just a thought. See if we can get you set back on the path to recovery with some of your questions. 855 855- 3409663 that's 855340 zone and you know Dr. Cushman this is the time when things should really kick up you know we got everybody's back in football practice and football camps and volleyball practice and volleyball camps and kids are active so i would reach out to parents out there too if you've got a question about a situation that your kid is dealing with something that is ailing them that is repetitive pain uh, an issue that you can't figure out? That's another great time to call in and ask a question. 855 340 9663. But I got to imagine high school kicking back up, sports kicking back up. That's another area that you guys probably get really active in.
1: For sure. And, and at least here at the University of Utah, it's, we, you know, we at the beginning of the year, we always have to kind of check out all the new athletes and all that stuff. So we, We did that just the other day, um, kind of the initial get all those athletes in and check them out. And, um, you know, it's funny because this year just seemed like all the other years in a good way, I felt like, and that everybody came in, there really weren't that many cases of COVID, fortunately, that that came in and everything. So hopefully this is the beginning of the end and things kind of return to normal.
3: Yeah, I'm curious with that. Is uh, is that practice made it different just with, you know, coming in? Is it different with mass or? Are people, when they come into the clinic, are they still wearing masks and doing those things?
1: Yeah, they really are. And, you know, for us and on the medical side, uh, I think it's a lot less, less uh, controversial. Where if you go into a store, there's some controversy there. But when it's on the medical side, I think people are, are used to and, and okay with people wearing masks inside. And at least on our side of the fence, when we're dealing with a lot of patients, even if it's not necessarily patients who are coming in and coughing and sneezing, um it's just easier for everyone and safer so um when we see the athletes they all come in, in masks and they really don't seem to mind at all
3: makes it a lot easier it is when it's a yeah. med- medical facility it's just kind of a no-brainer it seems like people mm-hmm. have very little issue with it uh speaking of the injury clinic uh, dr cushman are you guys still actively running that every single week
1: yeah we we've kept that up um you know there was that time, of course, like I said at the beginning, where there was the unknown, I think we, we might have closed down for a little bit then, but um, we changed things a little bit, and it's actually worked out much better. We used to uh, just basically say, come on in whenever you want, and the problem with that would that be that you could have 15 people all show up right when it opened, and that, that would happen at some sometimes, and so some people would have to wait a really long time, but now instead the way it works is people just call in and say, I need to be seen and then we schedule them that day. So rather than having to wait forever, they might have to wait 30 minutes tops um, at a scheduled time. So it actually has been a kind of a good change um, and it kind of keeps some of that line from forming. It actually worked out pretty well.
3: You know, Dr. Cushman, I know that uh, you serve as the University of Utah team physician for track and field and cross country. And I know you do some work with swimming and diving. Did you enjoy the Olympics? Was it fun to watch, sit back and, and kind of watch those sports that you work so closely with?
1: Oh, I love it. I mean, like, who doesn't love the Olympics, I feel like? and At least for me, my uh, I've got some kids now that are just getting to the age where they they kind of like watching sports and stuff like that. And so uh, it was hilarious because my, my 10 year old, he would not let us turn that thing off. Like he just loved watching swimming and diving and gymnastics and baseball and every sport known to man. It's, it's just fun.
3: You know, we saw a situation with Simone Biles that was extremely unique um, and she called it the twisties. And I do know that there were some other things that she was dealing with, but how sympathetic and understanding were you to her situation having dealt with, you know, so many different athletes in, in so many different areas of sports when she uh, decided to pull from her event?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like um, a lot of people have been talking about that for a while, and I think it, it's a tough one, right? Because I think there's a lot of people out there who say, yeah, that's your your job, so to speak. But, I mean, at least on my side of the fence, we just see so many athletes who are pushed for so many years and pushed and pushed and pushed. And then they, they finally reach a breaking point. Um, and to me more than anything that I think the thing that people are are kind of forgetting about is she still came back and got a bronze, which is unbelievably impressive. Um, for me, I just honestly just felt bad for her because it's such a hard situation. And she's obviously the most amazing gymnast who's ever lived um, and so to to be kind of at the the final curtain call and, and not be able to um, do what she wanted to do is probably just really tough.
3: We're seeing so many athletes uh, worldwide, but we're seeing so many athletes in our country right now. And so many local athletes bring mental health to the forefront. And, you know, obviously Simone Biles had mentioned it. Uh, we've seen it multiple times from the NFL. We've seen it on a local level. Guys like Chaz IU, safety for BYU, has been very vocal with his battle with mental health. How far have we come in, let's say, the last 10 years understanding the impact of mental health on our professional and college athletes?
1: Yeah, I think um, a long ways with a long way to go probably is the best answer. And um, I think from a from a medical standpoint, we view it as something that's very similar to a broken leg. Um, depression and a broken leg are very similar in our view. And I think um, it still has a stigma, though, and so most people just say, suck it up, um, and a lot of people who haven't been down that road, it's easier for them to say that, um, and I think that things are definitely changing and they're changing for the better, but it's it's not there, um, I find that at, uh, at the collegiate level, a lot of the times, um, it's very dependent on institution where some institutions I'm gonna brag about the University of Utah again, but they have just the most amazing um, setup that I have seen anywhere. while other ones, even other PAC twelve institutions just don't have the same level of uh, funding it may be or just coordination. But um, you know to have those resources is um, it's not only helpful, I think, for athletes. I, in my opinion, I think it's required. Um, and And honestly, if I could go even further more than just athletes, just for the general public, um, just the amount of suicides that go on in the world every day. and you know we we don't treat them the same way of, as we would with cancer or, or heart disease or anything like that. We just look at it differently, but it's still people having, um, you know, dying or, or having some, some serious suffering. So I, I think it, it's got a long way, but needs needs to go further.
3: We, we are seeing unique and extreme suffering, and it's been going on for time and all eternity, I'm sure. But it's it's not something that's just popped up. It's just something I think we're paying more attention to. But guys like Kevin Love have suffered at mm-hmm. such great depths that it's painful to listen to some of the stories. I'm curious, what are we doing to advance in treatment, are, are we? Is it just medication, or are there there are ways to deal with mental health aside from medication?
1: Yeah, I I think that that depends on who you ask. Um, I think that for medication, um, w- one part of it is just that stigma I was talking about. I think that's kind of getting less and less where taking an antidepressant just doesn't mean as much as it did 20, 30 years ago. And then the other side of it, I think, is that anytime you can avoid taking a pill, avoid taking a pill. And um, and and you know, and if there's, a, uh, I guess, a, a stressor, uh, something that's causing the anguish in your life, if that can be resolved or talked through with, with counseling or a psychologist, to me, um, my own biases, that's what I al- always would opt for if possible. But I think that um, medications in, in some cases are, are just required and really help people. Um, and so I think more than anything, it's just getting the foot in the door and talking to someone is the main thing. And, and that can be kind of hard to do.
3: That can be really difficult. You're listening to the doc talk brought to you by University of Utah Health. You can visit at sportsmed.uviewhealth.org. You're listening to Dr. Dan Cushman. This is really an opportunity for you to jump on the phone lines and ask a board certified physician any question that you might have in regards to health. And I know that there are a lot of different questions out there. 855 340 9663 to jump on the phone line and talk with Dr. Dan Cushman about whatever situation has popped up, maybe you had a car accident, maybe you had a skiing accident through the winter, maybe you've just had a biking accident, and you're dealing with a knee or an elbow, and you don't know which direction to go with it, give us a call. 855-340-9663. So, Dr. Cushman, do, do programs bring in sports psychologists now? Or are they mostly employed? Because... When I was playing for BYU, we really didn't have sports psychologists, not a team sports psychologist, or really anybody that they would send us to. Is that kind of mandatory, or is that common now for universities?
1: It's common, but it's definitely not mandatory, as far as I know. Um, It definitely varies from colleges. The the Pac-12 right now um, is uh, looking into mental health uh, coordination, And they even um, are putting a lot of money into that. Um, There's a a group at the U who's who's kind of spearheading all that. And so they um, are really looking at kind of what's the best way to get to as many athletes as possible. And is that kind of doing um, screening when they come in? Is it checking in every so often? Is it just giving them a phone number to call? Is it checking in with every single athlete? There's a lot of kind of questions. And what's the best and most cost-effective way to do that?
3: I think it's intriguing because I do think it can be extremely helpful. I mean, even for somebody that's not dealing with a, a, you know, a large depth of mental illness, somebody that's just dealing with a heavy level of doubt or maybe anxiety that continues to pile up on them. I can't imagine how helpful that could really be for some of these athletes.
1: Definitely. And, and, you know, and, you know, just to bring back to one other thing when, when there was the Lauren McCluskey situation, those types of things happen. And if you don't have preparation and you don't have sports psych available, it can be disastrous and make a a bad situation even worse. And I think that um, those situations will happen in other schools or or natural disasters or or all sorts of things that can go wrong. And um, even if it's just not a day-to-day, but also that kind of preparation for when something else catastrophic happens, um, having that, that infrastructure in place means so much.
3: Well, Dr. Cushman, you ready to jump out to some phone calls?
1: Yeah, let's do it. All
3: right, man. This'll the, Ron, you're going to lead us off. First phone call as the doc talk returns to the air. Ron, go ahead. You're on with Dr. Cushman.
2: Thank you. Um, I'm a, well, just turned 69. About a couple months ago, I it had a flood in the basement so i was doing some repair work to get ready for the remodel and i was using one of those well this is my what i'm thinking caused my problem i was using one of those six inch paint scrapers to scrape off the cement floor in my basement uh, where the tile was any of the residue mm-hmm. so that we could lay down a laminate floor but since then and it kind of came on gradually, I have a trouble making a tight fist in my right hand, which, of course, is the hand I use to do most of the scraping. Uh, usually it's like the index finger and the two middle fingers that are the real hard problem of, you know, getting going and making a tight grip.
1: do they hurt
2: that scraping did do some damage in that well it does it's uh kind of a blunt pain to really squeeze tight
1: can you tell which joint it is is it the joint that kind of connects the finger to the hand or is it like joints in the finger itself
2: well there's kind of right down low where the palm meets the finger and it's so hard to tell. And then maybe the first joint up.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, most, most of the time with that, um, the most common thing is that there's some arthritis in those joints that was already there. And then it just got all flared up from a lot of use at one time. That's the most common thing. And, you know, you can get an x-ray to kind of get an idea of what that looks like. That's one thing. And then I I assume this is probably not the case for you, but there is a situation where your fingers can kind of get stuck and they get locked. Is that the case where it just kind of gets locked in place? Especially
2: in the early morning, I can try to close the, you know, force the fist to close. Then they almost kind of go, you know, unlock. It's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, it could be. There, there's something called a trigger finger that can also happen, but that's usually where it kind of gets stuck closed and then you have to use your fingers to open it, to pop it open, And but then that might be the same kind of thing. So I'll bet it's one of those two issues. Um, if it's the arthritis, usually we start with kind of over-the-counter stuff. You can buy over-the-counter gels and stuff like that um, at the uh, drugstore. Um, hand therapy can be helpful. Um, and if it's just not getting better, we usually then go to x-rays uh, to figure out how bad it is and sometimes need things like injections.
3: Dr. Cushman, uh-huh. I, I'm curious, does it, just a normal x-ray show the damage or what's causing the issues if it is arthritis or do you have to do an MRI for that?
1: Yeah, so arthritis is where the, the cartilage between two joints breaks down. And if you think of like the end of a chicken bone, that's cartilage. And so if that kind of wears down, you end up eventually with bone touching bone where they say bone on bone. For finger arthritis, um, x-rays do a great job. You can get really good information from x-rays um, both the size of, the, of where the cartilage should be, which is how close the bones are together. And if, the, if you have arthritis, you start getting bone spurs and other things that are signs of arthritis. So x-rays actually do a fantastic job for finger arthritis. For other joints, sometimes you do need an MRI to get, to get better, um, a better idea. But for fingers, usually that's good enough. And then if it were the trigger finger, um, that's something that we can just diagnose clinically. We don't really need to have the x-rays for that. X-rays don't really help um, and that actually is treated usually with a cortisone shot, cures it about half the time. Um, and then the other half of the time, if it's still not getting better, there's a very easy surgery if, if that were the case. So if it's one of those two and it's just not getting better with kind of over the counter stuff, I'd probably get it checked out.
2: Um, do I go to the specialist Do I go to a general and then he recommends a specialist or how's that work with like Medicare insurance or an advantage plan?
1: Yeah, usually with with those, um, there there are a couple ways you could go. The, the people who deal with it most would be either just kind of a, a general sports medicine doc sees that a lot. Um, the hand specialists see that a lot, um, and so I would usually I'd start with one of them. And and for most insurance companies, I don't claim to be an insurance expert, but as far as I know from Medicare, I think you're allowed to to go to whichever uh, provider you want. Um, As far as I know.
3: So, so Dr. Cushman, if you were dealing with this, you would start with, uh, would you start with a practitioner?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I'd probably start with, um, if it's it's not getting better with that conservative stuff, I'd probably just see someone like myself who just does kind of general sports medicine um, because it's such a common thing that we see.
3: Ron thank you for the call really appreciate it and um, hopefully yep. hopefully you can find a good practitioner of sports uh, some type of uh, sports specialist practitioner and go in and get that hand looked at and and please remember everybody needs to remember the clinic uh, at the University of Utah Health is fantastic it's open Monday through Thursday 4 p.m to 8 p.m and it's just walk-in checkups so Ron, if you were dealing with that hand and it's and it's still, it's remaining sore, you can bring that in and get it checked Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., or Friday, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Ron, thank you for the call. Let's jump out to J- Jerry. Jerry, you're up next with Dr. Cushman. How can we help you, man? Jerry, are you there?
0: It's actually Terry. Is oh, that who you're Terry. Looking for?
3: Yes, that's who we are looking for. Terry, you are up next with Dr. Cushman. Go ahead.
0: Hey, thank you for taking my call. So my issue is with my fourth toe on my right foot. I had a bone spur removed about a year and four months ago. And ever since that was removed, I still have pain around the scar tissue of it as well. Uh, so much that it's at night it just really bothers me. It keeps me awake. But the other thing that they did when they did the bone spur removal, because I do have overlapping toes on that, they did a tendon relief in that toe to kind of straighten it. And now it will not bend. And so I'm wondering, one, is there anything I can do about the pain on the scar side? And is there any kind of physical
1: therapy that I
0: can do to get that uh, toe bending again on its own?
1: Um, a couple questions then. The, the Where is the the pain? Is it on the top, the bottom, the side? Where do you feel that?
0: The side, in between the fourth toe and the pinky toe.
1: Okay. And did they? does it feel like a nerve to you or does it just feel like it's tight and it's scar tissue or what does it feel like to you?
0: No, it, it's definitely more of a nerve.
1: And then the last thing is, did you have a neuroma or anything like that, did they say? No they did not. Okay. So I I think there's, there's a couple things and it's a little hard to say without, without seeing it. But um, one is if they, depending on which type of tendon release they did, tendon releases are generally where they'll cut a tendon. Um, And so if, if the tendon was the one that bends your toe, for example, unfortunately, there really won't be a great way to start getting it to bend again, because there's nothing pulling it, which is what the tendon is supposed to do. Um, if, the, uh, uh, if, it, if that wasn't what happened, there is a chance that the physical therapy could help with that. Um, the other thing is, is kind of what's causing the, that pain. Um, there could be a few things. One is it could be, like you said, scar tissue in the area, that type of thing. Um, another would be that either um, there is a problem with a nerve or um, you have something called a neuroma in the area, which is like a, a combination of scar tissue and nerve. Um, and there, there are a few things that, that could be done. Um, you could always have a surgeon kind of go back in there and, and try to fix things if it's just not getting better. But that can oftentimes cause more trouble than, than you started with. Um, so I think I would save that as, as a last case scenario. Um, but the other things you can do sometimes... Injections can help in that area if if nothing else is helping. Um, sometimes like massage, those types of things, and then also the other thing is depending on where the pain is. Um, sometimes little pads in the area that can kind of take pressure off of certain areas um, can sometimes help as well.
3: Like pads? Yeah, sorry, that's what they pads in the shoes.
1: That's what they suggested was the pads. Yeah,
3: is that pads in the shoes or is that something you stick to the foot? What what is that typically, Doctor Kushman?
1: It depends on where it is. So, so for some things, if the pain is kind of more towards the bottom, there are these things called metatarsal pads um, that I must stress have to be put in the right place. If you put them in the wrong place, they, they just make things worse. Um, and basically, they go kind of um, a little bit further towards the heel, so a little bit back, but underneath your your foot. Um, and those can help take some of the pressure off of the bottom of your foot, and then the other thing is you can have, like like you said, little little sticky pads that can go um, in different areas on the foot just to reduce pressure in, in some areas.
0: Okay, yeah, right now they recommended that I wear a spacer between the two toes, kind of a gelatin type format, and that's, it still helps when I'm walking, but at night, the pain is really severe still. So I was hoping some scar tissue or massaging or some exercises would help. Is what I'm hoping for. So,
1: yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly. And that's one of the pads. And one other thought that you could consider is you can buy um, numbing medicine or lidocaine. Um, You can buy that now over the counter. And sometimes putting that on can, can help. It basically kind of numbs the area and takes away some of that nerve pain there are also some some nerve pain medications um, that can help, and and I know some people are thinking, oh, that's just a toe. What's the big deal? But man, oh. it's it's easy to say unless you have it. Like those toe, one little toe can be such a pain, um, especially if you're no. not getting sleep. So I totally hear you.
0: Yeah, and I I do spend a lot of time and walk a lot on my job, so guys. Thank you very much.
3: Good luck and and hopefully that gives you a couple of ideas on where to start there Terry and hopefully you can get back to good health on that thing and Dr. Cushman you're absolutely right. You know there are a lot of athletes that can't play in a game because of turf toe. You know they've got got one toe that they've jammed whether it's into the turf or into the court and that thing flares up and you can't put pressure on it and where Terry walks a lot for his job it really can impede his ability to do his job so terry uh take advantage of some of the suggestions dr cushman gave you and good luck you're listening to doc talk brought to you by university of utah health dr dan cushman on the line with us we'll take a quick break that gives us open phone lines so if you've got a medical question 855-340-9663 jump on the line with us have a discussion let the doctor kind of pick your brain and give us your thoughts and the, the pain, the issue that you're dealing with, and let's see if we can help you. 855-340 zone. More doc talk coming right up.
2: Oh.
0: You're listening to Doc Talk, presented by University of Utah Health on 975 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
3: Love Doc Talk, the great physicians of University of Utah Health. Every one of them. Every single one of them. <laughs> and by the way, they've saved my bacon over the years that we've been doing Doc Talk. I mean, I think we've been working with University of Utah Health and Doc Talk for six years now. And I've dealt with a lot of the physicians, Dr. Peters, who put the new hip in for my mother, uh, Dr. Mac, who has, ah, let's see, he's probably redone two or three different ACLs for family members and a kneecap for my daughter. And so I am just appreciative. And I can't tell you how much I love the physicians at University of Utah Health. It's where I send my kids. It's where I send my family members, my mom, my dad, because They are the top, the leading physicians in every category. That's University of Utah Health. And DocTalk, you can reach us at 855-340-9663 if you want to jump on with Dr. Dan Cushman, who's kind enough to give his time today to us. So that's 855-340-9663. And before we jump back up the phone lines, Dr. Cushman, I actually wanted to talk to you about, just briefly, about concussions. Um, Where are we in the world of the amount of concussions somebody can sustain before it's time to call it quits? I know that that's a very broad question, but is there kind of a baseline of, well, there's two, there's three in a given year, it's time to call it quits. Like, How far can you go with concussions?
1: Yeah, that's a tough question. I think um, there's probably rather than a, a number there's probably a few factors that matter more so one is like you said the total number of concussions you have the more you have the, the worse it's usually going to be um, another is kind of how close they are together so if you get one on a Saturday and you somehow play on a Sunday and you get another one that's going to be so much worse than if you had one and then three years later had a different one. So I think the closer they are together is another big factor. And then also what you're doing. So, you know, if you're, if you're a swimmer and you, uh, and you get three concussions, chances are you're still probably going to be able to compete and everything as opposed to if you're a, uh, a gymnast or something like that where, where balance means a lot more. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of different factors, but it's really hard to say kind of for each person how many is going to be too many.
3: So there's not really a guideline like a, a football player could have three or four over a high school career and could still be looked at as a prospect for college or is three or four in a high school career or three or four in a college career too many.
1: Um, that's, that's also a tough one. I I think that, you know, if I saw a high schooler coming in with four concussions, I'd be really worried. Um, you know, number one, if you get one concussion, you're just more likely to get a second concussion than the guy who's had zero. Um, and then if you've had four, you're that much more likely to get another one for two reasons. One is you got a concussion in the first place. So there's something that happened that, that puts you more at risk for a concussion. And then second is every time you get a concussion, you're at greater risk for any injury. You're at a greater risk for tearing your hamstring or tearing your ACL or anything else just because you had a concussion. Your, your body is not back to normal. You don't have the same response time, all the other stuff, um, for, a, for a while until you kind of get back to normal. So to me, I'd be really concerned about that. But there are some who just kind of get lucky. You know, they get a mild concussion, didn't have many symptoms, got back to normal pretty quick. And each time that happened, they just got lucky. Um, and so there are some who could be totally okay at that point. And it's, it's just really case by case. And, and one of the challenges is if you get that guy with four, of course, he's going to say he's fine. Right. Nobody's going to be like, oh yeah, I shouldn't be playing. They're all going to want to play. And so there's no great test that, that anybody can do that can say, oh, you shouldn't be playing or yes, you should. Um, that just doesn't exist.
3: How are they, how are you all currently treating, uh, let's say a painter, a 40, 40- eight-year-old or 50-year-old painter is on a ladder, falls off the ladder, hits his head, and is showing signs of a concussion. How are you treating a, a concussion, a brain injury like that, when they come into a clinic?
1: Yeah, there's there's a couple things that have kind of evolved over time. So it used to be, we would say, you got to stop doing everything until your symptoms go away. Um, the more they look at it now, it's actually, you want to do some some activity and so the, the general rule of thumb nowadays is you want to do a little bit of activity, but not too much. And a little bit means the amount of activity that you can do without getting more symptoms. So let's say you got a headache and it's been a couple of days after the concussion. And every time you start to run, the symptoms get worse. That's too much. Um, but if you're able to walk around the block and you feel fine, that's good. So the more blood flow you can get, everything like that. So number one is kind of gentle exercise that doesn't give you symptoms. Number two is getting as much sleep as you can. Sleep is just the body, the brain's way of recovering. So kind of getting into a really good sleep cycle where you sleep a lot at night, go to bed early, wake up late if possible, that type of thing. And then the other number three is kind of depends on each concussion. So we look at what is wrong. So is it that people are dizzy or is it that they have a headache or is it that their neck hurts? There's all these different things that could be wrong that go, come along with a concussion. So we're going to focus on what those things are. So some people it's vestibular rehab where you learn, you know, you, you, you do some rehab for how the, the brain and the eyes and the ears all connect to help you with balance. And there's all these different things you can do depending on the problem they're getting.
3: You're listening to Doc Talk, brought to you by University of Utah Health. Dr. Dan Cushman hanging out with us. Jump on the line with us, 855-340-9663, whatever your medical condition might be. We'd love to give you some help, get you a guideline, see if we can get you back to good health. So I know we have a lot of parents listening, Dr. Cushman. And I know, and I'm having to deal with this to a certain level. I've got four athletes in my family, my, my kids that play every – sporting events you can imagine. What do you suggest to a parent that has a kid get in a car after a game, maybe a football game or a volleyball player that took a hard hit or, you know, any any athlete, a baseball player that took a ball off the noggin, and they're sitting there telling you, my head hurts. Uh, what, what do you suggest to parents that are kind of caught – in this area of, do I take them in? Do I wait this out and see if symptoms get worse? What's kind of the rule of thumb for parents to diagnose and and then seek treatment for their kids?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think I would say number one is if, you, if you're if you worried about it, meaning you think something could be wrong, just get it checked out. You'll be glad you did. Um, most of the time, there's nothing wrong. But if you're that one in 100 you don't want to be that one in a hundred. Um, so if you, if you're really worried about it, just get it checked out, you'll sleep better. You'll be happier. Um, you're down a copay. Um, the second would be that if they are throwing up, if they are feel weak somewhere, if they, um, uh, feel numb in areas or anything like that, I would get that checked out. And then I think the last thing is, um, you know, when, when people get that kind of uh, delayed reaction, uh, which you hear about a lot in concussions where they feel like they're were right at first and then later on it comes on, I, I say just be aware of that. So don't put them back in if, if you have any concern for a concussion. Um, the bad things happen when people do stuff with a concussion and the really bad things happen when they get another concussion after a concussion. So to me... Step missing out on one practice, one game. Yeah, it's not the greatest, but man, it's so much better than a long-term issue. So just err on the side of of, of pulling them out if you have to. Um, it's not always easy, but it's worth it.
3: The brain is such a mystery, isn't it? It's just yeah. it's such a mystery. But but the the basics of a concussion is is essentially the brain slamming against the skull. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly it. Yeah
3: which causes bruising and disruption in, in the processing of the brain. And there are just so many different things that can go wrong. W- worst case scenario uh, for a concussion, it, it, is it the, the actual bleeding in the brain?
1: Yeah. So, so a concussion, just the, the word concussion kind of talks about like, like the stuff you mentioned where the brain kind of sloshes around in there and hits against the skull. Um, but what you can do is you can have, more advanced brain injuries, which yeah, you can get bleeding in the brain, you can get kind of really bad um, bruising of the brain, you can get uh, skull fractures that go on top of a concussion. So there's a lot of other things that can go kind of a concussion plus, or we often sometimes call them a complicated, mild traumatic brain injury. Um, So there's a lot of other things that can happen um, on top of a concussion. And those are the ones that we kind of worry about
3: more you know this is something that i've really struggled with as a parent of athletes too and and young athletes that you know they they don't quite understand what's going on with their body and and sometimes athletes sometimes young athletes want to get out of conditioning or they want to get out of practice and and it's really easy to fake certain aspects of things how do you what do you how do you explain or what kind of conversation can you have with your kid to make sure that you're getting accurate information from them, I, I that that might sound like kind of a strange question, Doctor Cushman. Oh, I but, know
1: what you mean, but <laughs> I've seen you, it. <laughs> but
3: I, I try to explain to my kids, we cannot have you, have you know, pretend or thinking that this is a concussion and have it diagnosed as a concussion because a couple of those diagnoses could really affect your career. We need to be very accurate with this. I, I don't know how to have that conversation with kids.
1: Yeah. I think that, um, it, it totally comes up. I, you know, I've definitely seen that before. I think that if, if it's getting to the point where somebody is, is kind of making up a, you know, a concussion, I always kind of question, you know, are, the, are they just tired of the sport? That's one of the things, but a lot of the times it's a little more of a gray area where they're like, I hit my head yesterday. I don't feel back to normal. Man, it would just be easier if I could just say I had a concussion. And that's like in between, right, where they they, yep. they might have a concussion, they might not. And there's no way that we can fully diagnose a concussion. So to me, more than anything, it's just having a good rapport and a good open dialogue and just saying, look, just tell me the truth. I just need to know. We'll, we'll take care of it. Um, it's probably the best. But even that's obviously not perfect, especially I don't think my kids ever listen to me. So that never works. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, just, it's such a tough conversation to have, you know, your kid gets dinged in the head and, and you're talking to them and you're like, Kate, if this is a concussion, we we really need to get help quickly. But, and if you're kind of exaggerating the symptoms of this, then if we take you in to get help and they diagnose this as a concussion, that can be really bad for you and your career. So, it's such a fine line to walk as a parent, but I do love your suggestion. When in doubt, just take them in. You're out of copay. And
1: yeah. And I think also and on those, if, if you're, there are going to be ones that are obvious, right? And if, on those obvious ones, you know, but the ones that are hard are the ones that are in between. So to me, if, if you're in that situation with your kid, it's a Friday night and you're like, they might have a concussion, but I'm, but I don't know. In those cases, that would be the time where I I would say, actually, just give it a day. Mm. Just wait until tomorrow morning. See how they're doing. If they're totally 100% fine by the morning, even if they had a concussion, it wasn't going to be a, a very severe one and just kind of take it from there. And if they're still having symptoms, then, yep, it was. You're no worse off. You didn't do anything extra. So those are ones where maybe sleep on it at night and see how they're doing in the morning.
3: That's Dr. Dan Cushman from the University of Utah Health. We'll take a quick break and we'll try to come back and slip in a phone call if possible. I had a few people hanging out waiting and I apologize to them. 855 340 9663. This is Doc Talk brought to you by University of Utah Health.
0: You're listening to Doc Talk. Presented by University of Utah Health on 975-1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network.
3: Dr. Cushman, thank you so much for your time today. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Another great day here on Doc Talk, and obviously it, and this is just the way things go on Doc Talk. Sometimes you feel like you got a limited time and then the hour is instantly gone. But wanted to thank Dr. Dan Cushman, thank the University of Utah Health. And I do want to remind you, those clinics are open. They are extremely helpful. I have sent my kids to them. I've sent neighbors. I've sent family members. It's Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. And Friday on 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. It's right at the corner of Carway Away and Foothill Drive. And it's a walk-in clinic. You do not need an appointment. You can walk in with any injury, from 4 to 8, Monday through Thursday, and Friday 12 to 6. And you will be seen, and you will be diagnosed, and you will be helped and uh, on your way to improving. And Dr. Cushman, hopefully we get you back on air very soon. But a big thank you to you and, and everybody at Uni- University of Utah Health.
1: Yeah, glad I could be here. This is always so much fun, so thanks.
3: Love it. You do a great job with it. Big thanks to Reagan back there and so many more that make this a great program. We'll hand things off to the men of the movie zone. That's all coming up next.